everyone. This is Mosey Truitt, and I'm here with Frida again. Hopefully, you listened to our last episode about um, an inside look on the rescue scene and auction scene with horses. And we're just doing a follow-up episode because Frida, she trains and rehabilitates rescue horses. And uh, the... Blah, blah, sorry, I'm having a moment. <laughs> Yeah, she does amazing work taking rescue horses and finding them homes with the rescue, a little rescue. And I know Frida, and she's an incredible horse trainer and just so compassionate. And we've had a few conversations before about the balance of sticking true to your own horse training methods and what you can sleep with at night and what you feel what you feel good about versus the expectations of what a horse kind of needs in order to fit into the world and in order to be adoptable. So I'd really like to just dive into this this topic with you, <laughs> see where it goes. Uh, so well, I am happy to be here again. Thank you for having me on. Uh, this is my favorite topic of all topics to talk <laughs> about it in life in general. So my favorite topic to talk about is just like these horses and the balance that you have to have because yes, okay, so a lot of horse trainers, they say, well, I'm a trainer, I do this technique or I do this technique or like we don't have to mention any big trainers that are men by name. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if you're in the equestrian community, you do know who I'm talking about. And I'm not going to say anything negative about anyone because everyone just do their own style. Yeah, agree. But whenever I'm asked, like, Frida, so what style do you do? I say, I have no style. And mm-hmm. I've been asked, like, why don't you write a book? Why don't you do this? Can you write down how you do that? I'm like, no. I wish I could because there is no technique. Because it's just different with every single horse. Because it's like, you can't speak the same way to all people that you meet or act the same way to everyone. And horses are just so individual. I agree with what you said just so much. <laughs> I I personally, I feel like every single horse you meet, it is such a unique case. And to think that there's like one method or one technique that works for all horses sets people and their horses up for... Um, disappointment. A hundred percent. If I was going to be the type of trainer that's just be like, step one, brush your horse. Step two, lunge. Like, yeah, I think I would set up everyone for failure because, you know, some horses, you can't do brushing as step number one. That needs to be step 10 because that's such an intimate thing. You know, or like lunging. I have horses that I still can't lunge, you know, because they have so much trauma, you know, so skip that part then. But it's a it's a very interesting topic for sure. And I just wish that more people were interested in it as well, you know, that there was more questions out there from people because we're open. Anyone can call or contact for any questions at all times. That's just welcome. Right. So for you and your training and you mean at um, a little rescue and that sort of thing? Yeah. And me privately too. If anyone has a question of what to do in a scenario or like I feel stuck, just like send me an email or direct message or call. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I personally like admire Frida so much and I think she's (laughs) wonderful with the horses and they all... 
seem to love you. No, and, thanks. And, I think that the hard part is because the way that I usually do it is, I mean, it's not, I can't say like, oh, it's liberty or is this or is that. It's not really anything. It's just how I am with my friends, period. Yeah. But I also have to prepare all my friends for the real world. Yeah, so this is what I'm really, really interested in talking to you about or to you with. I'm having a hard time speaking today. Um, but yeah, you know, I wouldn't say like that you're just liberty or you're just this way or mm-hmm. any of the different things, but you are so um, conscious of the horse as an individual and as yeah. as treating them in the way that I'm sure you would want to be treated as a horse. Well, thank you, first off. <laughs> um, I do... So first and foremost, like I want to sleep at night. Yeah. And I think that I do consider these horses like my family. And I will say, I didn't used to be the type of trainer that I am today. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm from Sweden and I grew up in a very harsh riding school situation. And I never, ever, ever felt like I fit in. But I tried so hard to be someone that I'm not mm-hmm. and like really struggled with that. But I also, you know, did not come from money at all, which was such a blessing because I got to meet all these weird horses that no one wanted. Awesome. And it's just like I would train in a traditional way mm-hmm. and I would just feel awful and I wouldn't know why. I I really relate to yeah. that so much. And what I think is really interesting is I train in a way that I teach people what I do. And I call mm-hmm. it liberty, but I like to think it's flexible to each horse. Yeah. But you have a really interesting... Yeah, again. <laughs> uh, interesting. We're so excited. We can't help ourselves. Yeah. Uh, you have a really interesting... It's not a predicament, but you have a very interesting take or perspective with this because you have to prepare horses for adoption and for a whole like normal people yeah (laughs) normal people and like a whole bunch of different scenarios Mm -hmm. that you know that you have to kind of um yeah predict what a horse might need to go through what they what will serve them in life and how to do that while still honoring who they are yeah and that's what I really would love to dive into so, first of all, I mean, yes, they all become your friends, mm-hmm. but you can't keep them all because then I can't yeah. help anyone else. Don't ask my husband because he says I do keep them all. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, what you want to do is to try to prepare them that to meet new people is a good thing. Yeah, to ch- yeah, I'm sure also with the horses you get and yeah. what they've gone through, we, we talked a bit about, not a bit, we talked quite a lot about the auction scene in our yeah. last episode, but from where they're coming from and that kind of trauma they've faced, I'm sure one of the first and most mm-hmm. important things is changing their mind on yeah. humans and, and yeah. reintroducing them to something a lot more loving and a place where they can be safe. Yeah. So it's difficult because a lot of these horses grow very attached to me, just like mm-hmm. I grow attached to them because we work in a very kind of private setting. 
So, but it's important for me also to learn to let go. It's like I can love with my whole heart, but I also have to make sure that that horse is going to love someone else with its whole heart. Right. You know, and I think that's the most difficult part, but always be positive to new people. Mm-hmm. always introduce people in like a positive way mm-hmm. and like have conversations with people before like hey this is what this horse has gone through this is how this horse is like please hear some tips you know but at the same time you can't tell people how to be but right. you can set the horse up and the person up for the best meeting possible and what's really nice about your the rescue you're with a little rescue is you're so dedicated to each mm-hmm. and individual horse and matching them with the right person yeah that you are able to see what might fit and what might not fit and you are very true to your dedication to the horse that you will find them the right place for them yeah and I think it's very important to know the horse Mm -hmm. because like I never and never ever will advocate for people my job is not to advocate for a kid or someone's dad or anything. I will only advocate for the horse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, and the same with Brandy and Jared that I work with, it's like we have the horses back no matter what. And I just love that so much. <laughs> as so much as the person can come and say, like, oh, I love this horse. I want to adopt this horse. If the horse doesn't like you, you're not going to adopt the horse because it's a two-way relationship. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you're actually setting them both up for more success. Yeah, 100%. Because a horse that doesn't like someone or if it's not mm-hmm. a good match, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much the human wants no. it. It's not It's not going to flow and no. it's not going to be good. And it's also important to remember just because I can't say that I never ride with a bit mm-hmm. because I do. It happens. Because if I go to other clients clients outside my work a little rescue and they say hey this is my setup i use this bridle i use this saddle i use this arena okay the horse is fed the horse has shelter it's fat and happy the person is just like wants to ride in that specific way okay that might be hard for me sometimes but then i have to be like okay I will learn this person, like teach this person to ride with this bit the kindest way possible. Right. And being able to go in and versus saying like, no, I'm not going to do it. You can go yeah. in and you can, you can make it better for the horse. Exactly. By working with what the person is already Yeah. So doing. like when we're going to adopt our horses out, I can say, hey, I don't want you to use a saddle. I want you to use this specific hackamore, which is a bridle without a bit or... Mm-hmm. I don't want you to ride this horse at all. Or I can say all these things. But it doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do when they come home. Right. You know? So I tried that all horses should not be scared of a trailer. Because I don't know how often these people are going to trailer their horses, you know? So it's important. Just because I don't think you should trailer them around doesn't mean that other people don't think so. Um, I have to prepare them to be able to have a saddle. Because not, like... A 65-year-old woman might not want a big horse in the woods without a saddle. And, you know, I think there's, if you have a good fitting saddle, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, well, I agree. Personally, with saddles, I think if it makes you more comfortable Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be nervous and tense on the horse's back, ultimately, you're doing 
everyone a favor. <laughs> exactly. Because you're not putting that on the horse. Exactly. So that's what I teach them. I teach them to be able to have a bridle on even if I do not ride in it. But I don't know what someone in seven years is going to specific do in an arena. Right. You know? So you want to just make sure. And you, I always be like, hey, if you're going to use a bit, use a rubber bit. Use this right. type of hackamore. Let's try this first, you know, in a very non-judgmental way. I love the non-gentle or non-judgmental way because I think there is so much shaming in the horse world. Oh, yeah, and for sure. on all sides, you know, shaming for trying to be kinder to the horse, shaming for yeah. being rough on the horse. When really, yeah. when we're shamed, it turns us off to whatever yeah. it is that, you know, is trying to be conveyed to yeah. us. So... I mean, I also think it's a you're opening a great door because let's say someone at first doesn't feel comfortable not riding in a bit, but after a while you show them that that the horse doesn't need it. That yeah. might become a change. Exactly. And a lot of people that I meet, they have no idea what a hakamore even is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so like, okay, hey, let's not judge anyone. Trust me, I judge plenty in my own mind. But I mean, if I'm going to send off my best friend to go live with you, I'm going to make sure I'm your friend so that I can call you at any time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You you have to act that way. And you also have to talk about all this stuff. Like, this is the food it eats. I understand. Maybe this is not the food that you are going to feed. This is what I recommend. And this is why I recommend. Not just because I said so. Yeah, always with the why. I think that's... There are a lot of things in the horse world, too, that we're told and we're told just to, like, rely because I said so. And it's kind of like the way the horses are, like, you know, do this because I said so. And it'll be from a trainer, like, do this, why? Because I said so. And we're not um, asked to question. We're not necessarily even encouraged to question. Yeah. So I I love the idea of always giving someone a why and giving them a mm-hmm. a very non-judgmental explanation yeah. for why you do what you do and why you don't. Yeah, and that you always lead with that. Hey, this might not be what you're going to do at home, but that's what I do here. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and then I find out what situation are you going to be putting this horse in? So that sometimes I say no. Like, mm-hmm. no, this is not going to be a one meter show pony. Like, no, it's impossible. Or right. no, this horse is not going to be an arena trained horse because it hates it. And some horses, they love the arena. They're like, all they want to do is work. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're all different. Yeah. And I think um, because you know the horses so well at yeah. your rescue, you know uh, what they like, what they don't like, and mm-hmm. where they can be matched. Mm-hmm. So... I'm curious how you really discern when you should push a horse to kind of accept the things that might give them a better life and when, for instance, if there's a horse that doesn't like the arena per se, like what you would do to find them a home that's going to be understanding of that. There's a very fine line. Mm -hmm. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what I struggle the most with because there are things that I just have to swallow. Like, yeah, like, yeah, you just have to, because you know what? In the end of the day, if the horse has shelter, water, food is being properly cared for. It has a doctor. It has friends. It has a family that loves it. At that point, I just have to be like, 
it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, right. I just have to let it go. And I would imagine that's actually, um, there's a few things in there that are obvious, like food and water. Most people mm-hmm. like give, should give yeah. horses that. <laughs> yeah. But um, the criteria of like a horse having friends, for instance, because mm-hmm. there's quite a few homes that yeah. don't necessarily give horses herd and thus don't yeah. give them the feeling of safety. And then there's, you know, the other thing of like, does the horse have to be able to go out and pasture with other horses? Mm-hmm. I think that is too much to ask in California. I wish I could. Right. But, but you know, you always, you know, there are facilities where you're just not allowed to. That's very true. I mean, California is limited on space. Yeah. So then what do you look for? Like, what is the criteria? What would you say is the base criteria here? Well, overall, it's different for different horses. Some mm-hmm. horses could they just want to be left alone. They're just like, please, let's just be my person. I see another yeah. horse over there. Great. You know, I can mm-hmm. play with the dog. They could care less, you know? Yeah. And then there are horses that just panic without a huge herd. So yeah. yeah, then you have to make sure that the family that you find for this horse that needs a big herd, that you find someone that owns other horses. But Very also true. it's like pipe corrals. They can touch each other through the pipe corrals. They are right. next to other horses. They see other horses. They can groom each other over the fence. You know, I think <laughs> that is one of those things that you just have to swallow. Yeah. And it's different for them to be able to have interaction with horses, even though it's not ideal. I definitely do know horses that are much more horse horses and horses that are very people oriented and there's I still think you know every horse should have friends yeah but but I can definitely understand you know a horse that really really craves and needs a pasture with a herd versus a horse that I mean my aunt had a horse that we like to call him a very city horse yeah. because he was out here, you know, mm-hmm. with these pastures, which are mm-hmm. pretty big at the ranch. I have my horses and he really wasn't happy yeah. and he wasn't having, like he didn't get enough one-on-one human attention yeah. and you could see him like getting depressed. Yes. And even though he had a life that another horse could yeah. adore. Mm-hmm. Um, but my aunt actually took him to a smaller facility where he had less room. He still like could touch other horses and he had great horse friends. But with less room, he surprisingly, just the way that this barn was set up, he was so happy. Yeah. And he had a lot more human time. Yeah. And it was one of those individual situations that, you just have to know the horse. And yeah, they're all so different. Some of the horses that we have at a little rescue, some of them never wants to come into the barn. And mm-hmm. some of them, it's like after 45 minutes, they're like, hello, am I supposed to be out here all day? <laughs> like, can I come back into my house? You know, so it's just all where they came from. Yeah. You know, if I get a Mustang that was born outside, she's probably not going to be super happy about going in the barn. Right. But if I get a 25-year-old show horse that's always lived in a barn, it's going to be way confused about being left out. Yeah, and it could even, they could feel anxious. Yes, possibly. exactly. Too much time. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's an interesting, it's such a, it just proves how everything is so individual mm-hmm. and how we need to really be listening and thinking of them as individuals. We as humans, like, want to categorize yes. um, and label and put into boxes. and Trail we, horse. Yeah. <laughs> Dressage horse. Jump horse. Exactly. And, like, and you have it on the side of people who 
like they just imagine horses in stalls and mm-hmm. they just like they can't wrap their heads around leaving their horses out and when it's raining they want to bring them in and it might be totally not what the horse would prefer but it's in their head but yeah. it it flips the other way like you know looking at uh, someone who might be more like into a natural horsemanship or liberty horsemanship mm-hmm. also thinking like well horses should be out you know, far free and like it's ideal and have all these ideals of what a horse should be, but maybe they have an individual horse that, um, you know, wasn't raised that way and Mm -hmm. it actually makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And to be really open and honest about that and not just have the the strict lines. Yeah. And, you know, just, and I have actually people that come to me and they say, well, uh, I only have a box doll and it's like almost like they're excusing themselves. Like they feel bad mm-hmm. coming to me because they know that I come from a little bit more of like, I believe that they should be out, etc. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, great. You have a home for a horse. You can mm-hmm. save a life. You can care for a horse. You're a good person. Just because you want to overprotect your horse and put a million blankets and wrap it and only feed it a specific schedule all the time and be kind of neurotic about it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. You love your horse. Good for you. Yeah, that's where I think there's so much judgment that comes in on all sides that ultimately doesn't help. It doesn't help the horses and it doesn't help us because if we... If we feel like, you know, these are our only options, like if you can only afford a small paddock or not like, especially in California, like a lot of rangeland mm-hmm. for your horse it's to feel shame. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And it, to not feel shamed by people mm-hmm. um, just because that's like I'm a big believer in um, satisfying different needs of the horse yeah. and kind of before you can uh, move on to training a relationship, mm-hmm. there are certain things they need. But I also understand a human that wants to connect with their horse mm-hmm. and like more power to them for wanting to be gentle and yeah. make a great life for them. If yeah. they can only afford a stall, yeah. there are different ways to help supplement that with the horse. And there yes. are other ways to give the horse freedom and a happy life. And it doesn't have to be all this way. Like you don't no. have to. No. I think that's what I do and what I learn on a daily basis is just try to be accepting of people Mm -hmm. and open-minded. Yeah, I I so agree. Because I think about, you know, when I first got Annie, I was like 12 Mm -hmm. and she was three (laughs) and it was amazing. And I loved her so much. Like I loved her as much as I love her now. And she was my best friend Mm -hmm. and I saw her that way and I really wanted to do the best for her. And I look back now and I look at back at some of the things I was doing and it was not the best for her. Yeah. But at the time, it was the best I thought. And at the time, you know, I was I was really trying my best to give her all the love I could yeah. and treat her right. And there are things I wouldn't do now, but if I was to, you know, approach myself back then Mm -hmm. and come to myself with judgment that Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're doing this wrong Mm -hmm. and how could you do this to the horse you love? It would have just sent me into a, like a spiral of tears, you know, and nothing could have really benefited from No good comes out of that. I think that you do what you can with the information that you got. Yeah. And I think as long as everyone just tries to do their best... It's going to be okay. Yeah. And ask for help. Ask for help. And stay flexible. Like that's, mm-hmm. I think the big thing I've tried to work with is yeah. 
like when I started questioning what I was doing and I started to see new ways I wanted to be with Annie, I had to be really open because yeah. and I had to face also a lot of hard things that, you know, I'm open to creating a better life for her. Mm-hmm. And that made me look at some of the things I maybe hadn't been doing or that I, I didn't agree yeah. with anymore. But being able to see that with compassion and rather than feeling like a terrible person mm-hmm. for what I've done and rather to be able to see it and know that I'm moving forward and I'm mm-hmm. learning, mm-hmm. that was how I can actually change and grow and how I yeah. can um, just do the best I can for the new yeah. information I have. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I used to have, I own seven horses <laughs> by myself. I know. And people ask me, like, how did they become so many? And I was like, I have no clue. They all, like, pick each other, you know? Yeah. And I keep rehoming some of these horses, but they always come back. So I've just, like, given up hope because, like, yeah. I have this one horse that's just, like, teaches kids to ride. He's so calm. When he goes to a new home, like, he tries to escape, walk down to Panga. Like, he's crazy, you know? <laughs> so they always just come back home, and they all, they're a family for a reason. But I feel bad because now I live at a smaller facility where I used to keep them. Mm-hmm. And one of my horses, he can't sleep outside on California ground because it gets so, like, it takes such, like, long time and a lot of effort to get up and down. And he likes lying right. down sleeping. So then he has to go and sleep inside in straw or else he's going to bleed all over his body. If I put the straw outside, my other horses will just pee in his bed. So it's just like, yeah. So now what I do is like, (laughs) it drives my husband insane. I think he's coming around to it though. But I open like the turnout gate Uh and I let (laughs) one horse out at a time and I have them voluntarily with no halter, no nothing, no like treat walk into their stall by themselves i love it i know because that way and i wait a second and i'm like okay they're all in their box stalls now great they all see each other and then i don't close up right away Mm -hmm. i leave it for a few minutes then i close their gates because that way i'm like i don't think they care (laughs) but to me i'm like Yes, I know there's food in these stalls. Yes, I know they know this is where they're going to eat, but they're choosing to go in there by themselves. Right, and you're it's not like you're having a struggle. To no, like and they all go there. in their own individual stalls, and they go so mad if a horse goes into the wrong to stall. Their so- like, oh, my oh, God. God, and they love it. It's like their highlight of their day. Like They do all these tricks. And, yeah. Well, that's great, and it, that's such an example of also making a situation like maybe we don't love stalling horses, but making it into something... Yeah, fun and great that they actually enjoy and they can handle and yeah, and you know your horses and your horses. Yeah. I mean, I actually haven't <laughs> met them, but they no. just seem so happy. Like I, can't. <laughs> I don't know, I think they're just like crazy. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> why I had to have my own facility because it was just really difficult to have them around other people because people were like a little scared of them because they can be very intense. Like they express a lot they're of like emotion. fully themselves, fully. Fully themselves. They have, like, no boundaries. See, t- <laughs> to me, the unbreaking process and sort of, like, one of my yeah. most, the biggest priority is mm-hmm. to allow the horse to be the fully themselves. Mm-hmm. And if y- you can do that in so many different ways, and yes, there's a way that, like, I would consider perhaps ideal, but, like, who am I to say what's ideal for, like, every horse, you know? And if yeah. they feel liberated to be themselves yeah. and to express themselves... Mm-hmm. 
Like that's really it, you know. I think a great example also is that I was given a very, very fancy dressage horse that was mm-hmm. worth a lot of money. Like it could have funded all my horses for a year, you know, right. in food. And I really tried to not, I was just like, okay, you're going to just be a part of the family. You're going to be just a a $1 horse, you know, like I really tried and he did not fit in. He didn't like it. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be a part of them. And then one of my friends came along and it was just like, you know, that's my dream horse, right? I was like, it is? She's like, (laughs) yes. Can I please, please, please buy him? I was like, yeah. Whatever your budget was, just pay that, mm-hmm. you know? And I just wanted him to go to a good home, but that's just the same thing. He wants to have a bridle. He wants to have a saddle. He wants to do that kind of stuff, but she compromises. She goes and does it on trails. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we made it in the middle, and it's just yeah. a great thing. And it's so hard to prepare the horses for the real world, but they have to cross tie. They mm-hmm. have to tie. They yeah. have to get shots. They have to have the farrier do their feet in a cross tie. Because people work. People go to work nine to five. They're not going to be feeding treats in a pasture when your farrier is the most patient man ever trying to pick, do their feet. That doesn't happen in the real world, really. So... I need them to not be scared of the farrier. I need them to be able to be in cross ties and be picked up by someone else in a pasture, you know, that's not their owner. And this is like the difference with you too is that I feel like you're not just um, making them that that like they have to do it, but rather that they want to. Yeah. Like making it so that they feel, or at least that they feel comfortable with it. That it's not. I think that... When I first started working for for a little rescue, we yeah. met through the first horse that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Rocky. Now I call him King Rocky because he's like <laughs> totally the king of my herd. So he couldn't really have any other name. But that's how I met them. And I went there to see him. He was tacked up and we were in the arena. He had a full meltdown, like a Full panic attack. We thought he was colicking. We called the vet. Mm-hmm. He was full sweated, his whole body, full shaking, like panic. He ran to the other side of the arena and laid in a corner. And that's, I think, I've never actually really thought of it the way that I'm thinking about it now. But I think that's who I became who I was supposed to be like right in that moment. In that moment. Because I went over and I sat down with him and everyone was like, what's she doing? Like, what's going on? And I sat down and I told him, we're going to have to get up. We're going to have to like be normal now, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's, we have no choice. Mm -hmm. And as much as I feel like him, like I'm scared to go outside. I'm scared to go on an airplane. I'm scared to do certain things. You have to do them. Right. You know, you don't have to like everything that you have to do, mm-hmm. but you got to do them anyway. You know, he got up and I was like, there you go. Let's just be normal. Be normal. <laughs> yeah, be normal. You know, and I that's what I say to myself every day. Just be free to have when I leave the house. Be normal. Be normal. <laughs> I'm just like trying the best I can. And so with him, some days when I ride him, 
amazing. Some days when I ride him, like he can't handle it. Like he freaks out. So I've just like, I don't really do it as much anymore. And I just like kind of play with him and all this different yeah. stuff. But that's really who I became, who I am today. In that pivotal moment. Yeah, because, yeah, when it comes to cross-tie them, yeah, they might not like being Mm cross-tied, but we're going to have to come up with a way where this is just like a thing that we do. I don't like brushing my teeth. I still brush my teeth. You don't like being cross-tied? You're going to have to be cross-tied, period. And in a rescue situation, something like that later on could... I mean, you guys watch where they go, so, like, they'd never end back in a... auction but like i would imagine certain quote-unquote normal things Mm -hmm. can be triggers of why a horse might a hundred percent when i first got rocky for example when he was in cross ties he would start dancing just stepping up and down up and down i couldn't touch his feet because he thinks that i'm making him dance you know which is a Mm. whole nother podcast yeah but yeah I need him to cross eye sometimes. And if he's sick, I need him to get in a trailer. Yeah. Well, you know, I I actually really feel you on all of this because with all of my horses and I, you know, I do like everything at Liberty, but every, yeah. I make sure that every horse I have can do a certain number of things. Yeah. The difference is I try to, like the difference from maybe what they've experienced mm-hmm. before is I try to empower them to do exactly. it. Exactly. So that they... Like, all of my horses, you don't see it much because I don't really do it much, but mm-hmm. they all can cross-tie. They can all tie yes. and not – and also they feel confident enough in it now that they yeah. don't um, have to panic from exactly. it. Exactly. It doesn't mean something bad. It just means that we're going to stand here for a little bit. That's all yeah. it means. And when I train it, I think that I always make sure that I have a bail string or some type of string tied to the cross tie. So if the horse would panic, I still do it with horses that I've had for five years. I still do a bail string because if they get scared, they need to know that if I really don't want to be here, I can leave. I think that is the key maybe with most of what I do is that they know that if they really don't want to do it, they can always just leave. That and that is so freaking empowering for yeah. them. And I think so. I do this thing um, for medical procedures because okay. you know horses not always <laughs> their favorite thing. I so understand. I like. Yeah. I'm shuddering when like I have to get a shot or something. Um, but I so Annie needed um like eye medication. Yeah. In the summer, she gets like a little irritated, and I keep the fly mask on her usually but like it can get through yeah and so i need to put this uh stuff in her this goop. yeah and you know annie we're like real partners <laughs> on everything and i never like it's always a uh, conversation and it's always like there's just so much i respect her so mm-hmm. much and i realized like i was coming up saying like i have to do this eye medication like and she'd tolerate it but i was hating doing it because she's pulling her eye away and she doesn't want it and like it just felt so like she knew that it was important, so she'd let me. But mm-hmm. like there was a there was something missing there, and I'm like, there has to be a better way. And I realized, you know, if I could just like ask her mm-hmm. to do it, like I have a feeling she'd say yes. Like I, yeah. I if I just asked. Yeah. So my friend uh, Shirley Rensink, actually, she's an amazing horse trainer, um, and she works with mustangs. Mm-hmm. And mustangs, you know, need to have uh, different medical things going <laughs> yeah. with them. They 
and she does a lot of targeting, mm-hmm. targeting with different parts mm-hmm. of the body. So, and she had showed me how her Mustangs will target their eyes, mm-hmm. which basically like she puts up her hand mm-hmm. and her Mustangs will put their eye into her hand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I bet if I just asked Annie, like, can I put this medication in your mm-hmm. eye? She'll say yes. So I, we worked on it for a little while that I put my hand up and she puts her um, mm-hmm. eye in my hand. Mm-hmm. I'm like motioning, doing yeah. it right now, but you guys can't see it. We made it into a choice. And yeah. then like the next day when I was going to go put the medication in her eye, we had to do it either way. Mm-hmm. But I, I asked her like, can, can I put it in your eye? Can will yeah. you offer your eye? Yeah. And even though it was the exact same thing, exact same hor you know, not horrible <laughs> feeling, but uncomfortable feeling yeah. of something getting put in your yeah. eye. She offers it and mm-hmm. she just pre- keeps it pressed in and you can feel the shift so completely yeah. because she feels empowered to say yeah. yes. And she feels like she knows like this is something we have to do because I, I explain it to them actually out loud. Like, yeah. you know, this is important for your body yeah. um, and this is important for us. But just giving her that little bit of say in mm-hmm. it changed everything. And I think that um, I do also when I go and train horses like off the track thoroughbreds, I go and mm-hmm. I have some different clients. <laughs> I it's People think I'm crazy sometimes, but I let them buck and I praise them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you petting? Yeah, because you see, that was a happy buck. That's right. an angry buck. That was like that was joy you know so i'm trying to also teach people at the same time as i'm working that let your horse buck a little bit you know it's not the end of the world world. you know but if you never thought that way then you're never really going to think that way so it's just about education to everyone all the time but i think that stevie and moon Mm -hmm were two of my greatest, greatest teachers in what I do because they were wild. Yeah. They'd never been touched before. Mm-hmm. And they were like, they came in at the same time and they were three years old and they were just like so full of it. They were <laughs> like so wild. Yeah. And I was just like, there's no possible way I'm going to be able to force this horse to do something. You know, I just, I, I can't force it. It weighs like 10 times as much as I do. So... I, so I hate saying the word when you break a horse in. Oh, me too. Okay. So where I come from in Sweden, if I would translate it, is you, we say we ride someone in. Okay. So that's what I try to say. Like The breaking is just... Yeah, like I you know. rode her in, you know. Yeah. So I try to say it that way. I do it with no tack. Mm-hmm. And that might sound crazy. Why would you do that to a Mustang that's three years old? Well, I would just say this. If she allows me to sit on her with nothing that I can use as power towards her, we're going to be just fine. We're going to yeah. be able to have a bed. We can have an altar. We can have a saddle. We can have like an army gear on top of us. We will be fine. So if you start with the most difficult thing, then everything else becomes so simple. But don't do it before you're ready. Yes. I love that because it seems to be so often it's the flipped. It's yes. like start with all the tack and then at the end take them tackless, which to me, you know, if you're starting with so much pressure and yeah. so much force, mm-hmm. if you're at the end taking it off, that's just because there's the threat of force and 
yeah. and fear there. But if you're starting, yeah, like w- with less, and you're mm-hmm. starting w- with your foundation being like the bond and the trust mm-hmm. and the um, agreements together, mm-hmm. then it's true. Like you could, you can add more mm-hmm. on um, mm-hmm. because the horse already knows their freedom and knows who you are and yeah. knows your relationship. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful way to start. And I love mm-hmm. that you did that with Mustang. And I mean, like, trust me, sometimes it takes a really long time. We have a horse right now and she is happy to see me. She wants to be around me, mm-hmm. but she does not really want me to touch her. She's yeah. like, nah, nah, I don't know. Like, she's just not there. And so then I think to myself, like I pressure myself a lot sometimes. I'm like, but why are you not doing more? Like, why are you not trying this? Why are you not trying that? It's because I don't feel it. Yeah. The feel. She needs. And that's how I started. Every single horse, when someone asked me, when are you going to ride? I was like, I have no idea. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like maybe today, maybe in one year. I really don't know. And it's just like, she will let me know. And I wish that I can tell you how I know. I think then everyone could do it. It's just like, it's just this feeling of, here we go. And I just go with it. And most of the time I'm right. But there are times when I'm not right. And then you got to be the first one to give the horse the benefit of a doubt. Mm -hmm. So whenever I have horses, especially rescues, most of them end up at auctions for a reason. Right. There are those lucky ones that we talked about in our last show, like that was just a fully sound, happy trail horse ended up at auction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then there are those that has these hidden things that you have no idea of until you sit on them and they fall over on top of you because they're just so much pain from a chip in their back. I couldn't have yeah. known that. So now when I get up on a horse and it rears up or it kicks or it does something funky out from its normal behavior if you have a horse that's just like totally sweet and works like in all environments and then when you ride it it's so different i always say to my clients like give it the benefit of a doubt that there's something wrong yeah that it hurts somewhere which is so often the case and 90 percent of the time it's the case. Yeah. Like, I, I almost even want to say 100 because... Yeah. But it takes a long time to find out what it is. So it could be like for three years, you say something, be like, is something wrong? Is something wrong? And a lot of the times, your vet won't even believe you. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have to not question yourself. You just have to be like, there is something. And eventually, you find something. I I agree with all of that with the... um. Both of what you're kind of saying there has to do with like following your feeling. And I also yeah. wish like I try to as best as I can help people develop that because mm-hmm. the feeling and the intuition there um, is really to be trusted. And for me is my guiding light. Yeah. Because back to like uh, the training of the horses like and knowing like maybe when something's right, when something's not right. Some days you just know, like, it's right. Like, you might not have been planning. Like, the first time I ever Mm -hmm. sat on Leah, who was my, like, never-ridden baby um, that I've had since six months, I wasn't planning on riding that day. And then I just – I was like, you know, I think think today might be a day Mm -hmm. that I could ask if I can sit with her, sit on her. And 
And it worked amazingly yeah. and beautifully. And then there are also days like with Annie where I, my logic says like I should be able to ride like like I think we're cool to ride today. But like my feeling is mm-hmm. like eh, no. And, no. And I have to listen to it uh, because the, the couple times like, you know, the times <laughs> I do fall off yeah. are the times where I've been like something doesn't feel right yeah. today. And, and you do, you it, do it anyway. anyway. Yeah. But so that's where it comes at Little Rescue. We match the person with the horse and also the horse with the person. And mm-hmm. they have to become friends. And we have to know that they both like each other. Yeah. And also, um, I just wanted to touch too because it was such a good point about um, people who – or like when your horse isn't comfortable riding mm-hmm. or if they're one way on the ground and completely yeah. different riding – it's very sad because we're told very often it's mm-hmm. like a disrespect yes. instead of it being like maybe the horse and like you said like most of the time there's something that needs to be looked at there could be something really yeah. wrong there could be a pain yeah there could also be an emotional trauma yeah. and to feel that you know the horse is just trying to disrespect me and that I'm going to push them through it you yeah. know so many horses have been pushed through insane injuries because of that mindset Mm -hmm. and i i think it's hardly ever the case that like the horse is just doing it to do it yeah and i also think that it's important to figure out what does your horse think it's fun oh that's a huge thing yeah (laughs) so like what does this horse like like, can I come up with something? So let's try different things. Like for Moon, for example, I put up a fence, like a jumping fence yeah. in the arena. She jumped it by herself. I'm like, mm. she is so playful. <laughs> That's just what she does for fun. So yeah. yeah so if someone would want to have a jump horse, yeah, she'd probably do great at that. She could probably, you know, adjust to, to that. And yes, I would love her to jump every single jump by herself all the time. But that's where you also have to be like, well, in reality, you know, but in reality, she's with me and she gets (laughs) to pick every jump she wants. I know. know. (laughs) But like, that's where I try to find out what the horse thinks is fun and what motivates them. And then how do I make them proud of themselves? Yes, that is a huge thing. How do you fulfill them in that way? Yeah, because you can tell like sometimes when I do something with a horse, like for example, if they're scared to go up a hill. And then I'm like, okay, I go to the hill and I pretend like I'm going to go up the hill. And then I'm like, no, don't go up the hill. And the horse is like, what? <laughs> and then it's like becomes their idea all of a sudden to go up the hill. And then I make a really big deal about stuff. Yeah. I make a big deal about one step. I'm like, dude, you took one step up the hill. That's so yeah. great. And I really cherish all of that. And I just want one good step. That's all. We'll go to that tree. Then the next day, we go one step further than that tree. And I can do that because sometimes it just takes longer time. I amen to all yeah. of that. And amen <laughs> to the step by step. Like you can break it down as small as the horse needs. And honestly, yeah. laying the foundation in tiny, tiny steps yeah. makes it that the horse feels confident and empowered to yeah. blossom into like the biggest most amazing yeah range. and i also think that it's important and very and it's also difficult to explain but there are going to be situations where you're going to have to do what i tell you to do you know mm-hmm. and that is difficult and yes you never want to force a horse to do anything but there has to be an understanding in what i do in my job there has to be understanding if i say no no, no. right now you need mm-hmm. to do what i tell you to do you need to do that. 
But mm-hmm. they, at that point, they there is a trust. Yes. Where it's like, she would never ask me to do this if it wasn't important. Yeah. You know, like when you came to pick up Moon. Yeah. She'd never, I've never trailered her. I'd never put her in a trailer. I know she came in a trailer. Which probably from a really hard situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she just walked right on that thing. Yeah. And I was nervous before. I was like, what if she doesn't go on? I've never done this before with her. But she knew, like, if I was like, we're going to go into this thing. She was like, we're going into this thing. I That's so important. feel that it's the trust gets you there because mm-hmm. um, I do, I think like, you know, in the world that we're in, uh, yeah. there are certain things that we have to be the caretakers for horses. Yeah. And it's not that it's our right to come in and tell them all what to do. But like, for instance, with Annie, like, mm-hmm. let's say we're going on a trail ride and I know that there's a poisonous plant or yeah. something that they can't eat. Annie and I have the trust now that if I do say, oh, no, no, we can't, we yeah. can't eat that, like... It, it also isn't um, a taking of her power for yeah. me to say no. Like, she knows. In yeah. the same way that I listen, like, if she says no, like, you really can't ride today, yeah. like, I yeah. I listen to that too. Yeah. But I, I love it. I think it's so, when you're building that real relationship, it's like a relationship with a human. You, yeah. You're able to make boundaries in a healthy way mm-hmm. that's not about and not just boundaries because these aren't all boundaries, but also you're able to ask more of them. Yeah. And they are actually more willing to give when you really need it. Yeah. So I think what's the most important parts to take away from for anyone that wants to learn or anything from what I do mm-hmm. is that you have to lead like with kindness and love mm-hmm. and also sometimes be firm but in a loving way. It's like yeah. when a little kid is like, you cannot jump on that thing because you will hurt yourself. Yeah. That's how I am with my horses. It's like, no, but I will give you yeah. this option. And, you know, totally. And there's a big difference in that, which mm-hmm. is totally okay and yeah. totally like necessary. Mm-hmm. And saying like, you owe me your body and you are going to give your whole, you know, yeah. and like you are going to, I want to do this just yeah. because of me. And, yeah. and there's a huge difference. Yeah. And I think also being able to see the difference there just helps, helps people become more like really in tune and realistic mm-hmm. with what it is to have a relationship with a horse yeah. and what, applying it more like it's a human, you know, yeah. like you're not gonna. I always compare them to their kids and they're like, yeah. oh, I was like, do you want to put, excuse me, put a metal spoon in your kid's mouth and pull it? Yeah. I say that. And people are like, right. what? What? I was like, no, no, no. I don't mean to be rude, but that's what you're doing. That these horses that I train, I try to train them with dignity. D- I love that. Yeah. Dignity. Yes. Yes. Honoring who they are yeah. and what you're doing. Yeah. And honestly, like, if you think about it, like every horse you train and you send out becomes a messenger for your, yes for what you want to do. And it affects all the people that they meet in some way or the other, it's going to plant some sort of seed. Exactly. And, and that's what I try to do. And that way it's easier to also let them go. Yeah. And you mostly gave me the best compliment I've ever gotten. And I don't know <laughs> if you know that you did it, but I think about it so often you said, just like in passing, I think to Jared or something, you were like, well, f- the best part about Frida is that all the horses that I meet that's been with her has so much joy. <laughs> you know, they they seem so joyful or something yeah. 
in that way. And I just, that meant so much to me. And I work with that quote in my mind, like on a daily basis. I want them to do it with joy. You know, we all get to go to work. We all get to have jobs. Mm -hmm. And they are unfortunate to be horses and they have to, most of them, carry people around. But, you know, we can do it and be happy about it. Yeah. I stand by that compliment (laughs) so completely. Uh, It should be fun. It should be fun. It should be fun for everyone. And honestly, if you don't laugh, if you don't have fun, maybe you should get a dog. Or maybe you should get (laughs) another animal. Like, if you're sour around whenever you're with your horse, you should probably not have a horse. Get a pig. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Find something that you love. You know, because it should just be fun for everyone, period. I so feel that. It should be fun and it should be, there should be laughter. But it should be. Yes. And just like look at some of the best horses in the world. Like a horse from Sweden. His name is All In. He is a cribber. He can't use a step stool. He takes off with his rider. Like he colics once a month. All these things. And he's the number one in the world. So if he, and I do, I say that all the time to people yeah. that are so like against cribbing. I was like, well, all in. He's the number one <laughs> in the world and he's a cribber, you know. But his owner, his rider, just like makes it in a way. So when he goes into that track and he is in the Olympics, he's like, let's do this. And that's what it's about, yeah. you know. If it's at the Olympics or if it's in your backyard, it's just you want your horse to embrace it and just be like, let's go, I, you know. Yes. I agree. (laughs) Thank you so much, Frida, for just being here. I love talking to you and she does great work. Everyone go check her out. While I post this, the day I post it, I'm going to be tagging her and everything. So you can, um, (laughs) yeah, you can, if if you need to find her through my stuff, you'll, you'll be able to find her there and find a little rescue too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on and everyone. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye.